Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. This week in the BCL, Sasari beat Halone in a shootout. Rastafecta took down Ike in Athens and Tenerife made another crazy comeback to remain the only undefeated team in the BCL. Joining me to talk about all of that and much more over in Germany is David Hein. Dave, how's it going this week? Fantastic. Uh, what an exciting uh, week of action. And uh, do we really need to take a break? Yeah, unfortunately, no BCL games next week. Uh, there's a one-week break, and then the Champions League will return Tuesday, December 3rd. Uh, but plenty of uh, plenty of stuff to catch up on during the week off. You know, Make sure you go check out championsleague.basketball, the official website. We'll have some articles going up there. Of course, Check out the official Champions League YouTube page. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BasketballCL for all of the highlights and full games and everything like that that you need to follow the BCL. On this week's show, we are joined by Dave Dudzinski from Telenet Giants Antwerp. A couple weeks ago, he was the first player in BCL history to have a 2020 game, 21 points, 22 rebounds, and Antwerp got a win this week. So Dave joined us on the show for an interview with our Dave, Dave Hahn. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, let's jump in with the team of the week. Leading it off from Rastafecta, Steve Vistoria, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists as Fecta beat Ike on the road. Vitor Benite from San Pablo Burgos, 26 points, 6 of 9 from the 3-point line, and a huge 4th quarter, 17 points in that period as Burgos beat Hapoel Jerusalem. Vojtek Ruban from Nimburg, 28 points, another awesome game from him as Nimburg kept rolling. Deshaun Pierre from Sassari, 23 points, 10 rebounds. He is the only player this season to have two games with at least 20 points and at least 10 rebounds. Another big performance from Pierre. And the MVP this week from Pauk, Adam Smith, 31 points as Pauk beat Zaragoza at home, their second straight win. Dave, what did you think about the team of the week? And is there anybody who deserves to be on there as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to complain about any of those guys. Um, maybe one guy maybe that uh, could probably sneak in there in my, in my eyes was, uh, probably Luka uh, Rupnik, uh, from Antwerp. He had uh, 24 points, uh, four threes, five rebounds, four assists and three steals, uh, in a big, uh, victory, uh, over, over, uh, Poertes and, uh, actually, um, Dave uh, Dave Dzinski talks about that and talks about his game there. Uh, who else do you have? Yeah, I thought Tony Roten deserves some consideration as well from Anvil. 25 yeah. points, mm-hmm. 11 of 16 from the field. Helped his team get a road victory over Bandirma. That was a game where they had a huge fourth quarter comeback. Uh, so I thought Roten could have made it as well. But yeah, I don't have I don't have any problems with the five who did. That's a, that's a good list. Uh, we'll talk about some of those guys more as we go through the group-by-group breakdowns. Let's start it off with Group A. The game I really want to talk about, Sasari beating Halone 94-92 on the road in Israel. This was a really interesting game. Halone came out firing. Marcus Foster was really impressive. He had nine points in one minute at the end of the second quarter. Three three-pointers in a row. Guy Panini was draining threes, and Halone led by as many as 15 in the second half. And then Sasari came roaring back. Marco Spisu hit some really big shots. Daishan Pierre, like I mentioned in the team of the week, was phenomenal. And Sasari, a couple really clutch defensive plays in the final minute. Curtis Geralds picked Foster's pocket for a layup. And then Daishan Pierre blocked Latavius Williams at the rim, leading to a Geralds three for the lead. And Halone, unfortunately, some bad execution in the final minute. Panini committed an unnecessary foul when Halone was only down by one point with about 25 seconds left and 17 on the shot clock. So he didn't need to foul, put Sasari on the line, and then an unsportsmanlike foul on Halone let Sasari put the game away. The Italian side, dominant in the paint, 14 offensive rebounds, 16 second chance points as Pierre, Miro Bilan, 
um, Dwayne Evans, Jamel McLean, these guys dominated around the rim for Sasari as they moved to five and one. Uh, Dave, what did you think about this game and, and Halone blowing the 15 point lead at home? Yeah, Halone, you know, they were riding a three game winning streak and, you know, pretty much on a high, uh, you know, one note, um, you know, Marcus Foster led the, led them in scoring with 22, but went scoreless in the fourth. Um, and, uh, you know, when the, okay, obviously we had the Olympic qualifiers coming up, uh, the Olympic, the Olympic qualifying tournament coming up. Uh, but once we get back to these, uh, qualification games in the, you know, in the windows, I wonder how far Marco Spisu is going to be from maybe being a candidate for the national team. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of games where he's been, let's call it flirting with a triple double. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Ariel, uh, Ariel Faloy, you know, is getting up there in age, you know, he might, you know, Spiso has been really, has really impressed me, um, as a guy who can maybe kind of sneak into that, uh, Italian national team, uh, during the FIBA windows. Yeah, absolutely. Spisu 15 points, seven assists in this one and some really big shots as Sasari were making their comeback late in the second half. Elsewhere in Group A, Turk Telecom with a big win on the road, beating Torun 95-73. to Manresa held down home court advantage. They beat Ostend 85-58 in Spain. And Strasbourg, a team that Dave and I, I think we both picked them for the Final Four. That's not looking very good right now. They dropped to 2-4 and four with a loss at home against Leif Cabellis. The Lithuanian side won that one 66-63. Dave, any other notes on the rest? of group a i'm not i'm not 100 sure if i did pick strasburg in the final four i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised but uh you know one one thing i'd want to um and i think it was i think it was Fecht, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago i can't remember exactly who it was but um manresa 28 only eight turnovers 27 assists and i went back and looked at it 20 of those assists came on actual field goals and only seven on free throws um even though they only shot 40 percent uh for the game and the 23 turnovers and uh, one of sixteen on threes. Just that's a uh, that's a less than uh, stellar six point two percent. You know, sometimes Osten can be um, not fun to watch. Uh, Amarsilla, obviously, you know, just you know, he'd been kind of you know, let's say slow out of the gates. You know, maybe a little up and down. Uh, but here he had 16, 16 points, ten rebounds, two blocks, and showed a little bit of you know what you know, people really can be excited about. He passes over to DeLeo. He's got a jumper. He puts it up. Oh, that was big time. Moving on to Group B. This is a fascinating group. A lot of really great teams in this one. Let's start it off with Rastafecta, the German club beating Ike. 79-75 on the road in Greece. Fecta, only 2 of 13 from the three-point line in the first half, and then they came out on fire in the third quarter, made 6 of 8 threes in the period to outscore Ike 29-15 to and take control of the game. Steve Vistoria was absolutely balling. Mentioned him in the team of the week. He was, you know, behind the back dribbles into mid-range jumpers. He was hitting three-pointers. You drive into the lay, drive into the rim for layups. Uh, he was phenomenal for Fecta. And defensively, Fecta, great ball pressure all game long. 13 steals. I thought they did a really good job forcing the ball out of Keith Langford's hands. They sent some double teams, made other people try to beat them. And Langford still scored 19 points, but he scored 27 or more in three of the first five games. So holding him to 19 is is pretty good. And yeah, shout out to Max DeLeo from Fecta. Pretty quiet game overall, but he hit a clutch three in the final, uh, the closing seconds there as Ike were threatening to make a last minute comeback. Uh, Dave, you know, th- this this Fecta team, we were a little down on them coming into the season, but now they're tied with Hapoel Jerusalem and Ike at the top of this group at four and two. Uh, what did you see from the from the German side in this one? You know, um, I'm not. I'm, I'll even go. I'll even double down. I'll, I I'm not. I wasn't going to. You know, say I was a little down. I was really down on this team um, at the beginning of the year. I thought that you know the guys you know lacked the experience, and and that'll come up later on. Um, and they also played without uh, Sergio Garcia. Um, 
And uh, you know, this is a team that last last season, you know, had the magical season of of running all the way to the to the semifinals as a promoted team. Um, and then last week, uh, over the weekend in the in the in the BBL, they came back from twenty seven points down in the fourth quarter to win at home over Braunschweig. Um, so that's the momentum they come in, and and um, um, Coach Kallis said actually in the in the press conference afterwards, you know, we wanted to we wanted to um, not let Langford beat us, and uh, I saw a quote from from um, from Ish Wainwright. Uh, where he says, uh, Pedro told us before the game to play like real warriors. Um, and we did that. And and they did. You know, it was a, a fantastic performance. I think it was the last six minutes. Uh, Tra- uh, Travis Simpson went down, had it, had a, had a, had an ankle injury, um, but they were able to pull through 19 turnovers. You mentioned the pressure. Um, and uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, Fechte, you know, grabbing road wins now too. And uh, so it's, you know, it, every game is is another positive experience uh, that that they can build upon. Yeah, one hundred percent. This this Fecta team is really fun to watch. And in game day seven, they are hosting San Pablo Burgos. That is going to be must watch TV. Uh, and Dave, how about your guy Howard Ruse in the loss? Twenty one points, played a really strong game overall. He d- he did have four turnovers, but overall uh, he was he was excellent once again. Yep. Gotta love him. Gotta love him. All right. Elsewhere in Group B, Anvil beat Bandirma eighty-seven to eighty-six on the road in Turkey. Anvil outscored them twenty-seven to sixteen in the fourth quarter. As uh, one of these other teams that made a big comeback to get the win, Antwerp beat Poortes seventy-four to sixty-nine. We'll talk more about that with Dave Dzinski later. And San Pablo Burgos snapped a three-game losing streak to beat Hapoel Jerusalem ninety-one to eighty-four. Jerusalem have now lost consecutive games in the BCL for the first time in their history. 24 games in the Champions League. This is the first time they've had back-to-back losses. Uh, Dave, any, any other notes on Group B? Um, all right. I'm, I'm going to read a couple of stats. This, this Burgos-Jerusalem game, if you look, just look at the stats, it's so weird. Uh, 51-27 rebounding advantage for Burgos. 51-27 with 17 and six offensive rebounds. Um, and, and those leading to 29 second chance points to just four for Jerusalem. Um, and then you look at the turnovers, only five turnovers for Jerusalem, 14, which they turn into 18 points off turnovers, uh, to three and 25 to nine fast break points for Jerusalem. So just two completely different, you know, stat lines, you know, direction of the game, um, six offensive rebounds. Um, they had been averaging 12.4 and also they held, uh, Burgos held Jerusalem to just 51% from two point range. They had been hitting 64, almost 65% from two point range. So just, uh, if, if you just are stats nerd and you look at this game, you're like, Oh my God, this is fascinating. But then you go back and watch it. You know, we mentioned the Benita going crazy in the, in the fourth quarter. You know, this is just a, a, a really fun game of, of two really good teams. And it's really good to see Burgos, uh, back, you know, they, they had lost, um, they had lost three in a row. They had also been struggling in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the ACB. So, um, you know, uh, we said it. You said it before we started the group pre, uh, the group review. You know this is this is a an absolutely loaded uh, loaded group. Uh, one more thing. One more thing. Really quick. Anvil. You know we had talked about all those all those guards and all those wings. Um, this was the second game that they had Sean Jones, six um, eight power forward. Uh, you know he's played for um, he played for uh, Hapo Jerusalem last year. Hello, um, uh, sorry, Hello last season, but he's also played for Hapo uh, Jerusalem, Sasari also uh, Andorra. So this is a guy with with some pretty good level experience. Um, and we had talked about you know all these great wings, but they were kind of lacking a little bit of a of a of a of a of a, of a more athletic big man and. Bringing in the six gate, uh, Sean Jones gives them a, an extra dynamic. So, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, got the, got something that they needed. Um, I just wanted to mention that. All right. Moving on to Group C, another fascinating group this week. Let's start it off with Tenerife pulling off their second miraculous comeback in a row. They beat Vefriga 68 to 64 on the road. 
Tenerife trailed by 18 in the third quarter. They were down by seven with less than two minutes left. And this is the second straight week that they were able to win despite trailing by seven with less than two minutes remaining. Absolutely amazing uh, heart and uh, composure and everything from Tenerife. They outscored Riga 26 to nine in the fourth quarter. Gabriel Lundberg was fantastic. He had 11 points in the final quarter. He hit a couple early threes. Then he had a nice driving dunk to cut the lead to 64 63 with 33 seconds left. And then the game winning three uh, with about five seconds left to give Tenerife the win. Danny Diaz, Marcelino Huertas, Georgie Shermadini, these guys also had some big performances for Tenerife. Um, and I feel bad for Alexander Madsen from Riga. He had his best game of the season, 14 points and 10 rebounds, but he was 0 of 4 from the free throw line in the fourth quarter, and he threw a bad pass way over his teammate's head when Riga were still up by one to give the ball back to Tenerife to to set up that Lundberg three. So Madsen, great game overall, but some uh, some mistakes there in the fourth quarter that let the Spanish side back into it. And Riga also had a shot to win the game still after that Lundberg three. They were inbounding the ball with four seconds left, but a similar situation as the Madsen pass the play before, just threw it out of bounds, horrible pass uh, to give the ball back to Tenerife. Riga, only 10 turnovers in the game, but two of them came in the final 30 seconds as they fall to 1-5. and five. Tenerife improves to 6-0. and oh. uh, Dave, what did you think about this one? Uh... You, you you said heart and composure for Tenerife, and I would I would go the other way and say heartbreak. Um, you know, five losses in a row, and they've been close a lot of different games. Um, and you know, Madsen had had you know two dunks, uh, and you know had two big dunks to to make it to the seven point lead with uh, just under two minutes left, and um, and yeah, the 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 Madsen turnover. You know, it was like sort of on a break and, uh, and, you know, really could have just, you know, kind of dribbled, had a couple more dribbles and, and, and then it was Caroso actually threw, uh, from inbounds all the way out of bounds on the other side of the court. It's just like total heartbreak. Um, but I guess, you know, a learning experience, uh, but yeah, heartbreak. Yeah, and how, how about Marcelino Huertas on that uh, on that Lundberg three? Just eyes in the back of his head. Right. I, I watched mm-hmm. that like ten times. Um, really incredible play by Huertas, where he rejected the screen, drove into the paint. The help defense rotated to cover the guy uh, at the three point line that would have you know would have been to Huertas's right. That would have been the easy pass to make. He jumped in the air, did a complete one eighty, and just knew that Lundberg was going to be behind him. Found him for the open three, and Tenerife won the game. That's why they are six and zero. This team just finds ways to win games that it seems like they should certainly lose. Speaking of comebacks, Gaziantep beat Nizhny 79-76. to Gaziantep outscored Nizhny by 14 in the fourth quarter, and Jamar Sanders hit a buzzer-beating three in this one to give the Turkish side the win. Gaziantep were the team that were on the other side of, of heartbreak last week, losing to Tenerife, so it was cool to see them get this win. Nimburk Beat Mornar 91 to 74. Mornar still winless at 0 and 6. Nimberg improved to a very impressive 5 and 1. And the last game of the group, Bomberg beat Peristeri 72 to 69. Uh, Dave, any other thoughts on Group C? Uh, happy for Gaziantep after the heartbreak from last week. Um, uh, Bomberg. Nine turnovers to lower their league best uh, turnover ratio to just nine point five per game, um, and and Mornar uh, just wanted to note that Eros Lukovic played a season high twenty four points. The big man, the Serbian big man, um, had uh, five blocks and um, and he had just two blocks in, in the before that. And uh, it, he, in his last three games in the Adriatic League, he has 12 blocks. So that's four shots, four blocks a game. This is a guy I thought might even lead the league in blocks. Uh, he's led the the Adriatic League in blocks three times. Uh, he was the Euro Cup uh, block leader 
1819, he led the FIBA Europe Cup in blocks in 1718 and was third in the BCL in blocks uh, in 1617 when he played for, for Partizan. So if you have a shot-blocking uh, BCL pool um, and and uh, you want to have a good bet to maybe win for the rest of the season, go with Eros Lukovic. Smith trying to turn the corner. A lot of eyes on him. He'll back it out. Two seconds on the clock. And this does well not to foul. And Smith makes it. Incredible from Adam Smith. Another three. All right. In the last group, Group D, let's start it off with Pauk winning their second straight game, beating Zaragoza 93-78 to at home in Greece. We mentioned Adam Smith as the MVP this week with 31 points. He had some help from Jaquan Lewis with 19, Aaron Best with 15. Those three guards uh, really carried Pauk to this victory. They were super aggressive attacking the rim, and they hit some really, really tough shots in this game. You know, some of it, uh, Zaragoza was was playing really good defense, and those guys just hit some incredible shots. Uh, Pauk was in control for the most part. Zaragoza cut the lead to six with about two and a half minutes left, but then Smith hit a crazy three with Dylan Ennis draped all over him. Great defense from Ennis, uh, and Smith just made a, a miraculous three to put the game away. Pauk now improved to two and four. Zaragoza dropped to three and three in the group. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on the Greek club turning things around here? Um, yeah, you know, two wins in a row after the four losses. Um, and have to note that uh, the two wins have come uh, since the since uh, Harlem Pitas uh, has taken over. Um, at least as interim coach, uh, I'm actually unaware at the moment if that's a full time, if he's been, uh, you know, put into the position full time. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, getting both of those uh, victories, uh, under the, under the new coach. So, uh, and, and you know, Sarah, and they beat Saragossa. Saragossa, um, obviously brought in Dylan Ennis. Um, yeah, decent game. You know, he's obviously learned trying to, you know, he's going to have to try to learn, uh, the system, everything like that. He had 11 points and four assists. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make the note that the, um, with the new coach, with the coaching change, we'll say that they've won their two games in the BCL. All right. Elsewhere in Group D, Neptunas beat Besiktas 86 to 80. Uh, really interesting game in the third quarter uh, with about six minutes and 40 seconds left. Shaquille McKissick picked up his fourth foul. He's Besiktas' leading scorer. He picked up that fourth foul with the game tied at 45. Neptunas closed the quarter on a 17-0 run to take control of that game. The Lithuanian side improving to 4-2 and with the win. Dijon lost their second straight game. They lost at home to Bond, 66-78, to and Brindisi beat Falco, 98-92, to improve to 3-3. Three and three. Dave, any final thoughts on Group D? Uh, really quick, Dijon, again, I'm not uh, buying them, and, and they lose at home. Uh, 22 rebounds total um, against uh, Bond. Huge game by, by Trey McKinney-Jones, um, nine straight points, uh, to, to kind of put the game, the game away. You mentioned the, um, you mentioned without McKissick in that, in the four, in the third quarter, and then he comes in and just total, you know, total domination really, uh, took over the game, a 15, two run. Um, and, uh, and then actually scored, he scored 16 points, 16 of his 20, 27, 16 of his 27 points in the in the fourth quarter as he just total dom- totally dominated. Uh, but, you, you know, you got to tip your hat to Neptunus. Uh, Daniel Kytus, you know, hit a huge three um, after that 15-2 run to cut to five. Um, but, yeah, just that, you know, if you want to go back and just watch a total change of, of dynamic, you know, see McKissick go out with his fourth foul with about with 640 left. And then a 17-0 run, and then McKissick come back and say, I'm going to take this game back. Uh, Just really fascinating. Okay, so that's it for our group-by-group breakdowns. Let's move on to overtime. First topic, stat of the week. I'm going to go with six, as in six of the eight road teams won on Tuesday. That's tied for the most ever in a single game day. Uh, Things balanced out again on Wednesday with seven of the eight home teams winning, but I was pretty surprised to see that on Tuesday. Six road teams, uh, you know, we we talked about Fecta winning in Greece. Uh, There were, you know, Anvil on the road in Bandirma. Uh, Great, great day for the road teams. Dave, what's your stat of the week? 
Yeah, you know, we always talk about how it's hard to to win on the road. So to see him in so many t- and, and on the same day getting the 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 wins was pretty crazy. Um, I'm gonna go with 15. Um, and before I get to the 15, I'll actually say, okay, Ike obviously has. You know, Langford was uh, all your league team in 2014. Was the leading scorer of the league. Uh, you know, uh, Slaughter is the year league champ, two time finals, uh, two time in the final. Uh, Mashulis, uh, year league champ, also won the uh, Intercontinental Cup. Movridis um, uh, um, is also year league champ. Uh, Chalmers is a NCAA and two time NBA champ. St. Rose, Euro Cup champ, Intercontinental Cup champ. Here's to my 15. Um, Fechte had 15 total games played in uh, internationally last year on their roster, and they all belong to Gerald Reichel, from, who played with Bonn last year, 14 games in the Champions League, and one game in the FIBA Europe Cup. Only four players played internationally at all, uh, and they held their composure on the road in Ike with all of that experience on the other side to get the victory. So 15 is my number of total games, international basketball um, for the entire Rastafechte roster. Nice. And you forgot to mention during the Mario Chalmers segment there, he also won the Champions League title last year. With uh, that's Bologna. right. Yeah, there you go. Coming there you in go. As, there a, you go. as a late signing. Yeah. All right. Surprise of the week. For me, I'm going to go with Sasari beating Halone on the road after trailing by 15 in the third quarter. Uh, I, I did something similar the other week where Sasari uh, got behind against against Strasbourg, so maybe I shouldn't be surprised by these big comebacks anymore. But Halone were just really rolling in that game. Uh, they had the home court advantage. I, I didn't think they were going to lose that game. But credit to Dyson Pierre, Marco Spisu, and, and those guys for getting Sasari back in the in the game. So that's my surprise of the week. Dave, what do you got? I'm going to go Strasbourg losing at home. Um, at home to lead Cabellus. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, we kind of both picked them to go, let's just say we go, we both picked them to go really far. Um, and then to lose at home where they used to be a real power at home. And, uh, and now letting uh, Lee Cabellus come in and, and grab a, uh, grab a road victory. So there's my surprise. All right, next topic, overrated, underrated. This is based on Igor Jerkovic's great power rankings that he does for the official Champions League website every Monday. Um, he takes into the domestic league into account uh, when he does the power rankings. It's not just the Champions League. Um, and, of course, he wrote that on Monday, so before these games were played. So a uh, slight asterisk there. But let's go into it anyway. Underrated and overrated for this week. Uh, Dave, who do you think Igor has overrated in his power rankings? <laughs> um, I'm going to go number one. Um, I'm going to go, wow. I'm going to go uh, Tenerife, um, you know, obviously undefeated. Uh, I, I, I wrote originally Escape Artists, uh, and that was going to be try to, you know, that was going to be our overtime segment. Um, you know, last week having a comeback and and really a game they shouldn't have had a chance to win. Remember the Drew Crawford five second uh, inbound violation when they were up by one, which gave them a chance. And then we had the two really, really, really bad passes from uh, Madsen and Kuros here um, and um, Tenerife. Okay, you think um, you know Sasu Salin and and you know some of those other guys. They're actually 31st in three-point shooting percentage. Only Saragossa's worse. They're shooting 26.5%. Okay, they're second in two-point field goals, but they're 31st. Only Saragossa's worse, 26.5%. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go overrated. I'm going to go the number one team. I mean, they, they, they only have to go down to number two and then they're, you know, so, but <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay. So, so who would you have number one then? Sasari, uh, um, uh, Turk Telecom, Ike, you know, probably. Okay. So this was also before, um, I'd, I'd still maybe say Jerusalem, you know, maybe, maybe Ike. Yeah. I'd say probably one of those two. Uh, I, I understand undefeated. Um, and, uh, but, you know, again, again, you know, last week having to escape, um, having to escape the, vic- the, the, the loss. Um, so that, that yeah, uh, 
you kind of caught me there who I would have number one, but, but still, I, 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 I question a little bit. Uh, again, I, I questioned them a lot last year uh, for those of the listeners who, who remembered last, last season. So who do you got as the un, uh, uh, most overrated team? Yeah, for overrated, I'm staying in Spain. Uh, he had Zaragoza at eighth. They are six and three in the ACB, which is impressive, but they've lost their last two games uh, in that in the ACB. And they also have the worst offensive rating in the BCL, 98.2 points per 100 possessions, the eighth worst net rating at negative 6.7. So that means their opponents are outscoring them by 6.7 points per 100 possessions. So the eighth worst net rating in the league. Uh, so Zaragoza being eighth, I, th- I thought was a bit too high. I would imagine they drop now after this loss to Pauk. Next up, underrated. I'll start off with this one. Uh, first off, Gaziantep at 29th, even before this win versus Nizhny. Uh, I, th- I thought they were much better than their one and four record would suggest coming into the week. But, you know, I get it. One and four is one and four. Um, the big one for me, though, is he had Neptunus at 16th, and I think this is a, a really strong team. Uh, they don't have a ton of star power, but it's a very balanced team. Uh, they play the right way. They play super hard on defense. They share the ball on offense. Right now, they are 7th in net rating in the BCL, outscoring their opponents by 6.6 points per 100 possessions. So Neptunus, I think, are, are better than that 16th ranking. I think they're they're closer to a top 10 team. Uh, but their next three games in the BCL are on the road. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up their good form. Dave, who's your most underrated team? Yeah, I mean, Neptunus has shocked me. Um, but I think that's also been kind of, you know, we've been talking about that. Um, you can also say Burgos. I mean, okay, I know they've lost a lot of games, um, but, you know, this is a team that we also thought he was at that 25. Eight, I'm going to go Bon at 18. Um, you know, I, I still think, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the, Domestic record. Uh, obviously, they they've lost a lot of games, um, but they lost at Ludwigsburg. They lost to Kreilsheim, which was who was one of the earliest surprises of the uh, of the season. And they lost at Bayern and at Fechter, um, and then also um, against Bamberg. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Bonn at at um, uh, at, at eighteen. All right, and the next topic, we mentioned there aren't any games next week. Some teams are probably happy about that. Some teams probably pretty disappointed. So the team that needed the break the most, I'm going to start it off with Strasbourg. Three-game losing streak in the BCL, losing to Lid Cabellus at home is just inexcusable. And they are 4-5 and five in France, playing a little bit better. Uh, but they, I think they definitely needed the break to uh, get some extra practice time, watch some film, and, and figure out what's going wrong there with Vincent Collet's team. Uh, Dave, which team do you think needed the break the most? I had them listed first. They do have two road games, so maybe maybe uh, Collet should do some some team building exercises on the road. Um, I d- I have Tyrone, uh, you know, five losses in a row, seven and one uh, in Poland to maybe just find out, you know, keep, you know, keep actually winning games. They're also on the road for two games, uh, during the break. So I have Tyrone, Tyrone at, um, uh, as the other team that, that kind of needs a break to, to restart and, and, uh, and hopefully, uh, maybe, you know, get some defensive, uh, get some extra energy for defense. All right. And the other side of that equation, the team that wishes they were playing next week, I think it's got to be Pauk. Owen four start. Two wins in a row now, beating Zaragoza by double-digit points. Uh, you mentioned the new coach coming in, doing a great job rallying the troops there for Pauk. Uh, they they should definitely you know be hoping they could just keep this thing rolling, uh, but unfortunately they have to take next week off. Uh, Dave, what what other teams do you think are disappointed about the break? Uh, sorry, maybe. You know, four yeah. four win four wins in a row. Uh, you can also say Bamberg four four wins in a row. So one of those teams, you know, uh, teams that are hot. Uh, I didn't have Pauk, but I like that. I like that one a lot. You know, the, uh, the fact that you know they took over uh, a new guy coming in to take over. Um, so yeah. 
All right, so that's going to do it for Overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Dave Dudzinski from Telenet Giants Antwerp. He talks about last year's Final Four run with Antwerp, the new roster they've got this season, and plenty more. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. Weinberg. Skip past Dudzinski for three. Dave Dudzinski. Antwerp just nibbling at the Slavic lead. Sanders tied up, but pops with a three-point look. Dudzinski again, two in a row for Dave Dudzinski. All right, so on the show this week, we have uh, Dave Dudzinski, the uh, captain of Telnet Giants Antwerp. Uh, Dave, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, we uh, wanted to get you on the show after you got uh, uh, a big victory over Poertes. Um, congratulations on the W. Uh, maybe how did, how good did it feel to to get this victory after you guys had uh, dropped three in a row? I mean, yeah, it was, it was really important. You know, it's the type of game that you you have to win if you want to do anything in Champions League. You have to win your home games and you have to win games. You know, kind of when your back is against the wall. So. Um, you know, I think we kind of put ourselves back into it. We're still trying to stay relevant a little bit uh, going into uh, the second half of this Champions League season. Our group is kind of weird because everybody's kind of beating everybody. So um, anything can happen still. Maybe what would you think were the the, the keys to the victory? Uh, obviously, you guys gave up uh, the big lead, but uh, were able to pull it off. What would you say uh, were the keys to the victory? Yeah, I mean, it's Champions League, so, like, no lead is safe, really. Um, all these teams are really good, and every possession matters so much that um, we had a couple periods where, like, we had two or three turnovers in a row. And uh, once we started getting good possessions where even if we weren't scoring every time, we were getting a good shot, um, that was important. We started working the ball inside a little bit more, and then, you know, we got some inside-outside uh, looks that we haven't been connecting on, but we were we were connecting on uh, on Tuesday, and then you know, that was kind of the key. And then when we got stops when we needed them, and um, the crowd helped us out uh, finish the game. Um, Luca, Luca had a big game, twenty four. Uh, maybe what you think of of him stepping up uh, when uh, you know uh, uh, Hansen and uh, Owen. Uh, you know, they did a lot of other things, but they weren't able to score a lot. What do you think of Luca really stepping up uh, uh, points production-wise? Yeah, I mean, we we needed it, man. I mean, at the end of the shot clock, a lot of times he ends up with the ball in his hands and he has to kind of make something happen, which is a tough position to be in. And um, he got going early. Like I said, we kind of were able to work the ball inside and outside. I think both Hans and Owen actually had a lot of assists mm-hmm. um, on those kinds of inside-outside passes. And uh, yeah, Luca started feeling it, and once he starts feeling it, like he can, he can make a lot in a row. So um, it was really good to see him. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say bounce back, but you know, come up to a, a level that we know that he can play at. Yeah, you mentioned the assists. They they combined for 13 assists. That's always uh, great to have uh, from from your, uh, let's say, um, low post guys. Um, one one of the guys I've been uh, just loving watching this year has been uh, uh, Ibrahim Faifal. Uh, um, maybe just you know just the energy really on both ends. What's it like uh, been uh, for you playing with him, and and what do you think about him and uh, and his future? Yeah, so I was introduced to him last year. He played in a different team in Belgium, and um, he was the leading rebounder in the league in the domestic league, and he plays you know just a really you know, fast, exciting sort of game. And um, we're really happy to have him because he gives us a different dynamic. Uh, nobody else can really do some of the things athletically that he can. And he um, is a, always a threat to take his man to the basket. And he's developing a jump shot. And he's always, you know, around the basket, rebounding and blocking shots. And he gives us a dimension to our team that, you know, it, it, we, we can all play solid, but that he can give us some some plays that, other people can't make and, and it's it's been really fun to watch he's still a really young kid still pretty raw um so he's he, you know he's gonna have a really nice career um as, as he goes along and kind of learns you know more of the game you know the the interest interests of the, the the mental game and you know where to cut and how, how to how to play within the system a little bit more and he seems to have a real passion for defense too so which is always yeah. you know a coach's <laughs> dream to have guys like that <laughs> 
Yeah, he uh, he 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 welcomes switches. He loves when guards try to take him. Like he he uh, he always says like nobody's scoring on me, and that's a great attitude to have. Uh, two weeks ago, you had the uh, first twenty twenty game in in BCL history with twenty two uh, twenty one points, twenty two rebounds. Um, did you realize you were having kind of the six star game in the moment? Um. I mean, I, I no idea, like, numbers-wise. I don't have a running tally of points or rebounds in my head or anything, but I was just making the plays that were available to me. Like, I, I didn't really change anything necessarily. Just try to, you know, make the plays that, that came available during the game. So it was, um, you know, obviously a good individual performance. And, you know, I think everybody who, you know, wished me well and, you know, give me congratulations. But at the end of the day, we lost an important away game. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the memory that I take back from that one. Yeah. Uh, going back a little bit, you grew up in a, in a small town about an hour outside of Chicago. Uh, father played football at Northwestern. Uh, mother was an athlete there as well. Um, mm -hmm. Saw you played three sports. So imagine uh, <clears throat> Bulls, Cubs, and Bears fan uh, growing up. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Bulls, Bulls is for sure. White, White Sox, Sox actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah, more of a South Sider, I guess. And then um, football, I, it's kind of weird. I just kind of root for everything. So like, a little bit of the Bears, a little bit of the Packers. Like um, I'm not as interested in one team as just watching football every Sunday. But for sure, the Bulls and the Sox are like those are those are the two teams that. I, I ride with for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm from the northwest suburbs, only Franklin Park, not not as far out as you. My brother lives in St. Charles, so uh, oh, get, okay, yeah, get, yeah. getting closer to you. Um, yeah, yeah, St. Charles, that's, that's right around the corner. Yeah, uh, when did mm. when did basketball become number one for you? And um, you know, obviously, being a Bulls fan, Jordan was probably role model number one. But maybe you know, who are some of the other uh, basketball role models? Yeah, um, I think probably when I was about 15 and, you know, my body changed a little bit, I was kind of like a, I was always tall, but not like the tallest. And I was a little bit stocky. And then like when I hit 15, I grew a bunch and lost a little bit of weight and, you know, kind of developed more of a basketball type body and, um, you know, started developing quicker in that sport than any other sport. My dad always encouraged us to play all kinds of sports. And I think that's really important and it's kind of lost these days, um, you know, the, the cross, you know, sport, you can learn things from other sports and take them with you to wherever you end up. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably when I, when I started getting into that more, uh, what was the second part of that question? Uh, role models. Uh, yeah, I think Tim Duncan was always a big one. Loved, loved watching him, Mr. Fundamental. And, you know, for a long time, kind of molded my game around that. I loved watching Kevin Garnett back in the day. Um, you know, these, these, power forwards that could kind of do a little bit more than just, you know, bang on the low block. Dirk Nowitzki, obviously. Yeah. These, these you know, I, I think I was just destined to be a power forward, to be honest with you. These are the guys that I loved watching. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, mentioned your, your, your parents both went, both went to Northwestern. Obviously that's a, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, pretty solid program uh, in the big 10. Um, you ended up going to, uh, Holy Cross, and you know when you when when a player or a person goes to a uh, maybe a smaller institution um, in whatever career, you sometimes have a chance to do more. Um, maybe how, how and you were able to have a lot of success there at Holy Cross. Uh, maybe uh, and also able to get away from home, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe just how you look back on that time um, at at Holy Cross. Uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for like the four years I had with Coach Brown and the, the whole staff there. It was it was a great experience. Like you said, getting away from home at an early age kind of probably prepared me more for this European experience because um, I don't know you find out that you could you're gonna be okay. You like you're gonna be fine on your own, and um, your family's still gonna be able to keep up with you as much as they can. Um, yeah, so I I really uh, really loved being at Holy Cross and learned a lot there. And, um, uh, yeah, what was the, what was the first part of that question? Sorry. I'm a little bit uh, all over the place today. Um, just what did you, what did you get back? What did you get out of that? Maybe going to a smaller program than, than if you would have maybe tried to go to Northwestern. Yeah. Um, I think, I feel like there's a lot of small school guys that feel like they were under recruited, kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit for one reason or another. And uh, I think that that drive carries them, you know, through their 
professional career to such a high level. Like, I think if you go to a big school, it's like kind of NBA or nothing. And a lot of those guys end up washing out in the G League or um, just not wanting to, you know, take the step to, to Europe and be a little bit more uncomfortable where, you know, uh, the small school guys have kind of just been, you know, they live in that uncomfortable, you know, like underdog mentality sort of thing. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's the rule, but, you know, it, it seems to be kind of the pattern. And I, I think I, I put myself in that category as well. It's, it, you use it as motivation, as fuel, as kind of a reason why you're still playing, you know. And and then after a strong uh, career at Holy Cross, you begin your your professional cre- cre- uh, career in uh, Agrigento, uh, which is in uh, Agri- Ag- Agrigento. Agrigento, yeah. There you go. Thanks for the uh, the pronunciation uh, yeah. correction. Uh, which is actually in in Sicily. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other American with you uh, in that second division team was uh, uh, Pendarvis Pen- Pendarvis yeah. Williams. Pendarvis Williams, Penny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was the only other American. Maybe just talk about the bond that you you made with him. You know, he was also you know professional rookie. He was from Philly, mm-hmm. uh, went to Norfolk State. Maybe just talk about just the two of you Americans out in this uh, uh, out in the uh, uh, the island off of the boot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big story because uh, first of all, on A two, you know you only have two imports and a lot of the scoring and load is put on you. And I think even as a rookie, maybe I wasn't as ready for it as he was, but as the season went along, I picked it up quickly and um, he was really good with that. Like we talked a lot about, you know, mindset and like what, you know, not, not, not looking too far ahead and stuff. It it, it was, he was a great friend, brother for life for me. And, you know, we kind of bonded over the, over the fact that like yeah we were rookies and living in sicily is a whole different experience even than living in in a different part of europe because everything is just so so italian you know it it takes forever for things to get done and you know we're far from the airport and you know nobody really speaking english so it it definitely a bond there and then we ended up you know making the finals uh, as an eight seed and that was even one of the most fun two month runs of basketball I've ever had in my career. So, um, yeah, definitely a, a brother for life. Still keep up with him. Uh, see him whenever I can. And, and, and they had actually just gone up the year before, right? If I'm not yeah. mistaken. So like, I think it was like in two years before I was there, they were in like in fifth division. And uh-huh. then when we were there, it was the first year in second division and they're playing for a chance at Serie A and we were up to one in the finals. It's, it's like, uh, it doesn't happen very like ever. So it, it was a really, and like I said, it comes back to that, that underdog mentality, I guess, like kind of feeds into that a little bit, like, you know, just a, a perfect club to start with. Um, Dudzinski, uh, Chicago suburbs. Is there a little bit of Polish roots in there somewhere? Yeah. My, my dad's side is Polish. Okay. Um, but uh, I've looked into the whole, passport thing before it's uh it's a little bit complicated so, yeah, sure, uh, sure. but yeah my dad's side is polish my but we're we're americans for sure yeah uh but what did you know this is your first time away from uh from uh um from the from the u.s you had been to you know obviously you know there's the chicago area and also boston sort of boston mm-hmm. area there with holy cross um you know took trips here and there you know uh, mm-hmm. but now you're you're in sicily you know what? What do you think there? You know when you when you get there. Yeah, it's completely different. It's a different lifestyle. Um, grocery stores close in for two hours in the afternoon. Post <laughs> office closed. Like um, people staying up a little, like a lot later and eating dinner at nine o'clock. It, it's different, and nobody's speaking English. So, like, luckily, I had learned Spanish in high school, and that helped me learn Italian really quickly. And even today, I still speak Italian with some of our Italian. Um, people that live in Belgium, which is nice. Um, so it kind of is a skill that's nice that I picked up, but, um, yeah, it's, it's different. Like it was a little bit of a culture shock. And for the first month, like you really, like there's a lot going on. Cause it's like you get off the plane and immediately you're in preseason and nobody's speaking English and you don't know like what time anything is or like how you're going to do any of this. And, um, it'd be a little bit easier. I think if I started somewhere like Antwerp or anywhere in Belgium, where it's like a little bit more, the pace of life is similar to the pace of life in the U S but at the same time, um, by the time I got out of there, I feel like nothing could make me uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. And then you took a pretty good step up to a FIBA Europe cup team in Lithuania with Charlet. 
Um, mm-hmm. Maybe top rem- top memories of 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 that season. Yeah, the uh, Cholet was just a straight straight grind year. It was uh, all about basketball in Cholet. Like, not much to do in Lithuania. I'm sure other players that have played there know that. Um, but the the people there love basketball and. Um, they expect a, a good product on the court. So the guys were great. Uh, it was me, uh, Mike Scott, who's in the G League now. Uh, Cam Ayers playing in Poland and uh, Asen Murray, which is who's in Bamberg now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we had a, a pretty solid team um, of you know, 22, 23-year-olds. And we did we did pretty well. And it was, it was a good step up. Like, again, learning about playing internationally and maybe a little bit more about taking care of your body and, um learned i think that was the year i really got into cooking for myself and um, you know, these are things that definitely like you, you you learn you pick up over time and kind of develops into the player you are today and then st- staying in the fiba europe cup but going to really a, uh, an entirely different basketball culture again in romania with uh steel oh. uh bucharest would you would you think of that year um uh, yeah Stawa. uh great people in bucharest i love the romanian people beautiful country um Really had a, a great time there. It, it it unfortunately wasn't what I thought it was going to be when I signed there. And um, I had a teammate there, Cam Rolong, who played uh, for Rishon, and I think he just retired. But when we – yeah, it was just like we didn't do so well in FIBA, and then, like, I think we were kind of struggling even in Romania. And it's like this isn't really what we signed up for. But at the same time, like, the people were amazing. And, um, you know, it was probably – yeah, you know, it's just another opportunity to kind of learn about how to, you know, kind of play the long game and not worry so much about what's going on in the moment and, you know, take care of your body and eat well and like it's just another opportunity to kind of learn and and grow and you know even though it wasn't the best basketball year, you know, I still feel like I came out of there with something. And what were you thinking? What were you looking forward to when you then uh, signed up with Amphorp? Yeah, I mean, like we all we all want to like move up fast and like climb the ladder. And I was like, okay, like after that's that year, it was just like, like this is a team that is going to compete for a championship. This is a team that's building something here. And even though, you know, it's, it's again with a lot of young guys, it's still like a place that like is going to hopefully be able to elevate me. And um, wow. It, it, I couldn't have, pictured the last three years going the way they have with Antwerp. Like it's, it's been exceeded all expectations for sure. Yeah. I mean, last year you, you know, you guys, you know, finally uh, took, uh, took the Belgium cup uh, against Osen. Um, and then obviously the, the magical ride to the f- final four, maybe just take us back to that. Um, you know, you guys hosted it in the big arena, maybe just what was that whole experience uh, like for you, I know I've seen, you know, you talk about a lot, you know, we didn't, ex- we didn't expect anything, you know, you guys were coming through the qualification rounds, all three of them. Um, mm-hmm. and you never talked about the final four and just, you know, just kept, uh, chugging along and just maybe just yeah. how, how you recall that season and then the magical, uh, um, final four as well. Yeah. I feel like in champions, like there's probably like eight or 10 clubs at the beginning of the season are like, all right, we want to go to the final four. And like, we are definitely, we're not one of them. We were just like, we need to qualify. Like the year before we came, you know, within a, a little bit of, of qualifying and uh, we were able to get past a, a tough Italian team to qualify. And um, really they sat us down at the beginning of the season. And said, hey, listen, we just want to be competitive. And uh, I remember coming out of the meeting, everybody was like, man, forget that man like we're, we're gonna do we're gonna be more than competitive and stuff it's like yeah okay but like at the end of the day like we just have to take this one game at a time it's so cliche but it's so true and um yeah so we weren't we weren't so concerned with our record we weren't so concerned with like how every other team was doing we were just kind of keep our head down and work and um when the dust settled you know obviously jerusalem and ike were, were really really solid but you know besides that i think we we played well we improved so much from october to february that like by the time the the uh, playoff bracket was announced like we were ready like and it was it was good for us like we were we were very ready for it so you know it's just another lesson and you know taking it step by step and not looking too far ahead 
you guys had a lot of changes this summer. Obviously, uh, Coach Moore's uh, left uh, to Bumberg. Uh, Paris Lee went there as well. Uh, a lot of other key guys uh, left the club. Uh, you decided to s- uh, stick around and signed a two-year deal. Uh, maybe just uh, your thoughts about um, about staying and 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 signing the extension. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, at the end of the year, everybody was going to explore their options because you know a run like that, the team's going to have generate a lot of attention. Uh, the guys that are still here, like we still are carrying on some of the uh, the culture aspect of last year because I think that's really important. But at the same time, we need to come up with our own identity and. At times, I think we've struggled with that just because already in the preseason we had a couple guys with the FIFA, with the uh, the World Cup championships, and we had a couple guys like injured, and we changed some guys, and so we didn't really come together until like late September, and now I think we're kind of hitting our stride a little bit, and we're going to continue to hit our stride. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough, but it's it's really nice to see guys go on and do great things, like even. Tyler Kalinowski doing great things. Um, Jay Sean Tate down in Sydney doing great things. Like it's it's great to to be able to check in with guys and, and know that they're still doing well. And you know that, those are memories we're going to share forever. Yeah. Um, maybe how how has your role changed? Um, you know, you you talk about you know guys trying. You know, you're trying to bring in more guys and obviously uh, bringing in different guys and 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 you know everybody's still trying to find roles and stuff. How's your role changed? Um, I think even because we, we, you know, new coach, new GM, new everything. Like yeah, GM too. It's just a new, new opportunity for me to be more of a vocal leader, um, to have even a closer relationship with coach, and um, kind of have more of a of a voice um, off the court, and and have guys, you know, ask me questions and kind of look to me as as an example. Um, <clears throat> on top of that, like. You know, like like I told Coach at the beginning, like whatever you need, man. Like I'm 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 here. I don't I don't care if I get three shots or you know, last game I took a bunch, but it was in a lot of them at the end of the shot clock. It's just something I'm not really used to, but like really it's whatever like I said at the beginning, whatever plays are available, you know, coach trust me to make the right the right decision. Um you mentioned the culture has kind of been, you know you guys have been able to kind of keep that culture how's the mentality of the uh, of the team changed you know you know you mentioned coach you know he's been around um with the club uh under you know and, and was more's assistance you know since he you know moved to the sideline in 2017 so maybe talk about the mentality of the team and how maybe that's changed Yeah I, I get reminded from fans all the time that like Last year was amazing, but what they really want is a, a domestic championship, and uh, yeah. it, it's nice. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> it's nice to talk about, like for sure. But like the championship's not tomorrow. Like we can't win it tomorrow, so yeah. we got to do what we can do today. Um, the mentality that we're trying to keep is just like a, a group of dogs that just want to work. Like come in early, leave late. Like you know, do all the little extra things that that's, that's kind of the mentality we're going for. Cause that's what, that's what got us here. We can't really rest on our accomplishments last year. Cause you know, that's not going to help us right now. We can, we can remember like, okay, staying cool under pressure or like, um, you know, all, all these, these little things, but like the, 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 the overall work, like it can't go down just because, you know, we have new guys and and we have a different set of, uh, you know, guys around us. So, yeah, the mentality mentality is super important uh, every day. Like, it, it, we got to bring it every day. It's, we can't take a day off from, from that. Um, it's just part of the qualification format, if you will. Um, but maybe what was it like uh, fighting through the quali- qualifying rounds again uh, to qualify for the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I had some guys who were like, "Man, this is crazy! I can't believe they're putting us back in the qualification." Both <laughs> like, hey, we didn't, we didn't win the championship in, in Belgium, and um, it, it was a little bit different this year because last year we had to go through a couple teams, and the year before we had to go three rounds. Like mm. this year, it was like, I, I, I don't want to speak to the level of all the teams, but it seemed like there was a clear divide between the teams that were in the qualification round one and round two. Um, so it seemed like. Most of the, if that 
what I told the guys is basically if if we don't beat the Swedish team, we don't necessarily belong in Champions League. Like this is a game that if you want to be a Champions League team, these are this is a series you have to win. So it's not it, it wasn't really a big deal for me. Uh, and your thoughts about the group? I mean, you you know, Ike, Jerusalem, we know those guys, and then you you also have, you know, kind of an up and up and coming team with Burgos, and then you have you know uh, Ben Dirma and you know Poartes also have have a good history, and even you know Fechte, you know they they reached the semifinals of Germany last year, and and Anvil, you know, uh, always have a good a good run system. What do you think of that group? You know, it's another another tough tough group for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny because I think. In our group, we have like just about every style of player that you could mm. even dream up. We have like Vecta that plays like pinball really, really fast. We have Anvil, which plays a lot of like uh, one-on-one ISO, but also plays really fast. We have Ike, which plays really, really slow. And we have Jerusalem, which is a really, really big team. Like it's, it's a little bit of everything. So kind of have to be ready for anything week to week. Uh, it seems to me like right now everybody's kind of just beating up on everybody. So I'm not sure if you can really put anybody automatically through to the playoffs. I mean, Vecta is playing really, really well right now. But besides that, like, it's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah. Um, as part of our interviews for the for the podcast, we ask our Instagram followers and fans for questions for you. So here are a couple of those. Uh, Dave Dallette asks, what's your favorite food? <laughs> Um, every place that I've played, like I always try to find the best pancakes in the city. And, um, so far the best pancakes I found in the world are in Bucharest, Romania at a restaurant called Frudisiac. So, uh, those pancakes are my favorite food. Okay. Favorite, um, Mike 13H 1979 ask, what's your favorite place in Antwerp? My favorite place in Antwerp? Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, there's like this one park, Bokenberg Park. You probably know where it is. It's got a, uh, a like a natural swimming pool. So like in the summertime when it's nice out, like after practice, sometimes I'll I'll take a quick dip because it's kind of like an ice bath, but it's it's really really nice. Get some sun. Okay, and last one is from Elena Namias, thirty-two. Are you ready for Hapo Jerusalem? Obviously, you played those guys in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, we'll be ready. We. Um, I watched your game last night against Burgos, but uh, really right now we got a couple big Belgian league games and, um, you know, we'll keep our eye on them too. But, you know, I think they're going to come out pretty motivated after the last two weeks. Uh, before we go back to the Champions League, I want to ask you another question. During your summers, you, you, you go back to the to the United States and play in the basketball tournament. <laughs> and... Um, one of the one of the one of the different rules there is the Elam ending. Um, for those who are, aren't aware, basically first dead ball after the uh, four minute mark in the fourth quarter, the game clock shuts off, uh, and a target score is set. Uh, you add eight points, and then uh, and then you have that. That is your target score. Whoever reaches that score finishes uh, wins the game. First wins the game. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's played two two summers, right, with that, I played four. I've, I didn't play last summer. But no, I no, with four. with with the, then, with the with the with the Elam ending. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, I did play that. Yeah, I played one one year. What what did you think of that? Um, I did like it, but it did seem a little bit like kind of like hokey, I guess. Not not really something that was like traditional basketball. Maybe I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, but. Um, yeah, the game definitely finishes faster. Like, you, there's no like run down the shot clock offense or like, oh, let's, let's foul this guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, it changes the strategy really quickly. And um, really interesting. Yeah, it just like it ends up being like kind of like whatever team is losing at that point just kind of tries to really make the game physical um, and try to try to bully their way back in. But yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I I I, mean, I can't say that I'm I'm a big fan, but it it does change the the strategy a lot. Yeah, and every game ends on a made basket, which is also yeah. yeah there's always a there's always a game winner. Yeah, yeah. a walk off, if you will. Yeah. Um, you were a captain for two seasons at Holy Cross, and now this is your second season as cap- captain at uh, Antwerp. Um, how do you look to serve your team as captain? Uh, yeah, uh, 
first of all, I need the guys to see me working and like being one of the first guys in the gym and always a guy that kind of leads by example. So like if, if you're not doing it yourself, like your words carry nothing. So that's the most important thing. And then this is always a big thing because I was always kind of a quiet kid. And then like at Holy Cross, they really try to get me to talk more and talk more. So now it's kind of good. Like I feel more comfortable addressing the guys and, you know, I always say stuff before the game and uh, these little, uh, little, little snippets of like two minutes of talking to the guys, I think has really helped me personally a lot. And then on top of that, I think I carry, I have a responsibility to the community um, to, to talk to fans in a way that maybe another player wouldn't have uh, to be more accessible, to be more, have a better relationship with our fans. Cause I think that that is also part of the captain's job. Okay. And to close it off, uh, clubs goals this season in both, uh, the BCL and Belgium, both domestically and the cup. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not big on goals. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we want to, we want to make the playoffs in the champions league. We want to win the Belgian cup, Belgian championship. These are our goals. But, once we set the goals, we don't talk about them. We just work. And what, and what do you think you guys need to do? Last question. What do you think you guys need to do to accomplish those? Yeah. I mean, first of all, in BCL, got to win your home games. Um, those are really important. You can't advance if you don't win your home games. Um, and then, you know, you got to steal one or two on the road, but definitely win your home games. And then in Belgium, yeah, it's, it's kind of coming down to you know, usually just us in Austin, but you can't can't really discount the fact that like if you lose games in January, February against teams that you should beat, like that's going to set you back. Maybe you won't have home court advantage, and that's important too. So, um, really, just like I've been saying the whole time, you got to keep your head down, go to work, and not look too far ahead. All right. Well, we'll let you go with that. Thank you, uh, Dave Dudzinski, uh, uh, captain of uh, Telling the Giants Antwerp. Uh, thanks for having uh, taken some time and good luck over the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right. Thanks again to Dave Dudzinski for joining us on this week's show. Thanks to all of the fans who submitted Instagram questions. We really appreciate those. Uh, it's been it's been great being able to use those in these interviews with the players. Uh, Dave, some interesting stuff there. Uh, what, what did you think about what the other Dave had to say? You know, uh, probably that the the stuff with with um, with Williams uh, as a rookie. You know, there's this there's this. Uh, uh, it must be as an American who's come over and to Europe and, you know, you think you're, you know, you're a rookie, you're on your own for the first time, really uh, outside the country. And then there's this other guy who's also a rookie, you know, just this camaraderie, you know, he calls him brother basically for life, you know, just like that camaraderie that you, that you build, you know, it's just gotta be so, and, and also the expectations, the load of expectations that you have as an American, um, they, the people who bring you in and the fans, they don't necessarily think, okay, this guy's a rookie, you know, and, uh, and who's on the fir- on, you know, internationally for the first time away and all this. Uh, so just kind of that, you know, and, and just talking about, you know, being in Sicily for, you know, for the first time away from home, that was, uh, for first time away from us. I thought that was probably my, the, 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 the part I enjoyed the most. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. No game day seven preview. On this week's episode, we'll be coming to you again next week. Uh, We'll have some guests on the show. We'll talk about Game Day 7, so stay tuned for that. Make sure you go to the official website, championsleague.basketball, for all of the stats, highlights, news, analysis, everything you need to stay up to date on the Champions League. Subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BasketballCL. Thanks again to our guest this week, Dave Dudzinski. Thanks to all the fans on Instagram who submitted some questions for that. For David Hein over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.